It's episode four of the Great Underreaction podcast. This week, we tackle a range of women's issues. Serena Williams and the US Open final. We investigate whether or not painting your dressing room pink will lead to benefits for your team. Why did a coach put something in the water? Our trope of the week is here again, and Callum takes another deep dive into how something is still a thing. Thanks for listening. Let's go. Okay, wake up in the morning and I go and get the paper. Gotta get the paper. Every morning gotta go and get the paper. And a nice cup of coffee. Order one with two espresso shots and they call red eye. No okay, welcome to episode four of the Great Underreaction podcast. A satirical sports podcast with me, Callum White. And as always, Andrew Ernesto Seaton. Andrew, how are you? I'm good, Callum. How are you? Yeah, I'm well. I'm okay. Uh, I'm not going to go further than that. I'm going to go as far as okay. I don't know why I just said I was okay. I just totally lied because before you hit record, I told you I'm under the weather. and actually, Yeah, you were like, I'm sick. I'm really tired. I feel yeah. like shit. It's bad but luck because I'm sick this week. You were sick, episode three, although you carried off. You covered it well. Yeah. I was throwing up within four hours of the end of the last podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's a compliment to tell you you couldn't notice. <laughs> <laughs> you could take it both ways. One way is your professionalism, and the other way you're just so shit it doesn't even matter when you're sick. I think um, anyone who listened to episode three would say that I basically threw up for the entirety of that episode anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got an intro segment for you. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, Callum. Just, just for future reference. Uh-huh. It's more professional when you don't <laughs> introduce off. what you're doing. Just fuck off. <laughs> right. <laughs> that is correct. That's why I'm, I'm angry at myself more than you, Callum. <laughs> okay. So uh, last week we covered Colin Kaepernick and racism in America. Yes. This week we're covering racism and sexism in the sport of tennis. And that yes. hullabaloo with Serena Williams, who is professional tease, black. Uh, the section that you just introduced was a professional tease, not Serena Williams. <laughs> <laughs> just to be clear, I was like, I didn't get that from from the whole Serena thing. I didn't get that she was being a tease. <laughs> she was just being a fox. <laughs> God, this just started terribly, and it's exactly the point I was about to make to you, which is that Serena Williams is uh, black female elite athlete and you Callum are a white male and th- the opposite of an elite athlete so why, <laughs> why should we listen to anything you have to say about this firstly this is an audio based format so I don't like being outed like that <laughs> no no one knew I it's your privilege secondly I don't know if I'm the opposite of an elite athlete. <laughs> I'll okay. freely admit that I'm not an elite athlete. I don't okay. know if I'm the opposite. No, you're not. You're just not an elite athlete. Um, nothing. But like 95 to 98% of all sports journalists, I will assume my role as a white privileged male talking authoritatively about the experiences mm. of minority communities. Yeah, that, that would be my response to that question, which is, is like, well, I actually have no authority to talk about anything at all on this podcast, so <laughs> may as well just chuck the whole thing away. 
Uh, I mean, it really goes back to the same discussions that we had about the copyright issues with the song in episode one, which is, <laughs> does anything that you do matter if no one listens? Yes, that's true. If you make a, <laughs> if you make a podcast and no one hears it, did you really make a podcast? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so you've got that to look forward to, listener. Mm. Um, as a listener, you probably also listen to our predictions last week and have been tracking them closely. Mm-hmm. Um, just in case you can't remember what I said, I predicted boldly this. Tom Brady is going to have like not a great game and it's going to be, is Tom Brady on the decline or has Tom Brady is Tom Brady done for? And this one, I think, is in the great underreaction history, the first authoritative fail of a prediction. Mm. I looked really hard. <laughs> I didn't want it to be a loss. <laughs> because part of the prediction was based on the fact that the New England Patriots, the team that Tom Brady is the quarterback for, were playing against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I thought that he would be unable to get the job done against them. And it would be kind of like, oh, maybe the era is starting to end. But despite the fact that I was correct in my assumption that that would happen, none of the related journalistic content supported me. So I just absolutely fucking bombed mine. For those of you who can't remember Andrew's prediction, he said... I think there's going to be something. The England media, they cannot help themselves. How we have great prospects for the future and we can take great pride in what they achieved at the world cup and it's only upwards from here here come the euros we're in with a shout okay so uh i unfortunately we are both completely lost our mojo at predictions this week and i didn't manage to find anything we totally did so i think we should just yep. pack up the whole enterprise I'm done. From all podcasting. From podcasting. Uh, Yeah. Actually, oh, that reminds me of, did you see that story about the recording? Yeah, Fonte Davis. He just went in at halftime and was like, do you know what, guys? After a 10-year career, fuck this. (laughs) I retire. I want to do a Vontae Davis now on the podcast. I'm retiring. Yeah. Because they were losing as well. uh, He plays for a team called the Buffalo Bills. And the Buffalo Bills are just like ludicrously bad this year. I think he just went in and sat down. He was actually a kind of famous guy as a link to the previous podcast. Um, He was on a previous season of Hard Knocks when he was a member of the Miami Dolphins. And you get to see him be traded. So they basically decided they didn't want him on his t- their team anymore. And in American football, you can you can just trade a player. So they get called in, and it's like, right, Vontae, we've traded you. You're playing for the Indianapolis Colts now. <laughs> and it's just like you're going to need to be on a plane in like two hours, and you live you live and work there now. Oh, you got to move. So he was the first person way. ever to get traded oh, on. Uh, hard knocks alright well there you go I did think it was funny his teammates were like I think one of his teammates at least said something like you know I respect his decision to retire but he could have you know not done it at half time it was kind of like he could have not quitted on us at half time 
And I thought, ah, yeah, but like, if you think you're doing a rubbish job for the team, and also it's not like there's not like five other guys totally dying for the chance to get in the team. I thought it was, as retirements go, one of the, like, it was pretty undamaging to their team. But then I was thinking, what would be a, a really damaging retirement? And I came up with a couple of options for a, a, like a really annoying retirement, at least. And the first thing I thought of was you're playing snooker at top level and your opponent is on the black ball, a final black of a one four seven break. And then you get up and retire. So then you forfeit the match. He can't pot the black. He doesn't get a one four seven. So that's break. really bad that would be um, annoying decorum and snooker. If, if you're not at the table, it's really, really bad etiquette to concede the frame. Yeah, because you could miss a shot Is and it? then well, there you go. they could be kind of in the bowls and have enough points. And you see that all the time when they score these like 100 breaks and stuff. If they, yeah, you know the frame's gone. Yeah, if they just won the frame and then you just went up and like moved one of the bowls, then they would get less time mm. to practice hitting them. So it's really bad form and... And snooker. Oh, there you go. I reckon. So it'd be even worse if someone retired and then you didn't get the money. Yeah, that's true. I reckon uh, the most inconvenient retirement would be if you were like Jamie Murray and your partner retired. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was. I was thinking that I went for a partner thing, but I was thinking of figure skating. <laughs> and you're the man. You're, you're the man. And you're like holding the woman aloft. In like this really dangerous pose, springing, swinging around, and then you just say, "Nah, <laughs> just drop Fuck up, this. off." <laughs> then the rest of the music's still playing. You know, like they're just partners, just on the ice on their. It'd own. be better if they were like doing the grand skating towards you to go into the lift, and then you just went, "Nah, I'm not going to do that." And when they jumped, you just ducked, and they went flying over you. And as they lay That's sprawled on the ice, bones broken, you just said. I've retired. I'm really sorry. The other thing I thought was so, like the one four seven, that kind of screws over your opponent. The other one I thought that would screw over your teammate was, was if you're like, say, you're like a, I don't know how is this a, a sport? Not really. If you're like in the circus and you're at the base of a human pyramid, mm. and then you just go, nah, <laughs> I'm done. Why? Why did you need to go to? <laughs> The circus for that? Why could you not just go for gymnastics? Why? Well, I don't think you have not. I don't know where you come, but at the Olympics, I've never seen the Human Pyramid event. No, I haven't either. <laughs> <laughs> I had to think about it though. I don't know if they do team gymnastics Actually, at the Olympics. Any point, any, any, it would screw it over if it was anyone in the pyramid except the person at the top. If the person at the top retired, it'd be annoying because they'd have to like climb down. All our friends who were annoyed at their retirement, <laughs> like standing on their head and like, sorry, sorry, I know this is awful, sorry. It's another. But if you're at the bottom, it's another good example though of you having the whole sporting world to choose an analogy from, <laughs> and coming out with the circus. It was like when yeah, I said you can choose any professional athlete to get any food stuff to eat, and you chose boy from Winchborough and daffodil. So, uh, crap, we forgot about my prediction. So, can we just... I want to just diagnose the issue with my prediction. Yeah. So, the problem with my prediction was that it came at exactly the worst time to make a prediction about English journalists writing about the England national team. Because it's just off the back of a major tournament, which is when they come crashing down to earth and then they're realistic about the quality of their team. 
Yeah. So if I'd made this in the run-up to a national tournament, it wouldn't matter if they were playing like a team of... Oh, I can't think of a shit football player now. I don't know. Uh, who's that guy who never that boy, scored? That guy, from Winchborough? that guy from Winchborough? Who's that guy who never <laughs> scored for Everton in like one million bazillion games? Tony Hibbert. It's like a team of Tony Hibberts. And... Uh, <laughs> And yet, still, the English, media, the English media will somehow get excited. That's what I was targeting. But then I realized it was totally the wrong time to do it. And there was actually quite a lot of sane writing about how England are really just not a top footballing nation when it comes to national tournaments. Anyway. Tony Hibbert only played for Everton between the years 2000 and 2016. He made 329 appearances. And he scored zero goals. Man. But did he not score a free kick in his testimonial? Yeah, I don't know if that counts. It doesn't really. I reckon the. I I need to see it, but I reckon that might have been like the. You know, when you've got a kid and the mascot just like comedically (laughs) jumps over the top of the ball. Yeah, the keeper just like let let it trickle through its legs. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. I reckon it might have been that. Anyway. So that's pretty rubbish. I think that in hindsight, we both missed the opportunity for a better prediction, which was uh, Jack Wilshire injuring his ankle. <laughs> that's true. We could have made that prediction. <laughs> that would have been a solid prediction any week. The Jack Wilshire's minor ankle injury would require surgery would have been a solid prediction. <laughs> a solid prediction. Yeah. I'm just yeah it does solve the conundrum, though, of how you get Jack Wilshire and noble in the team at the same time <laughs> it's like the the gerard lampard debate of our of our era yeah. okay well we uh we go to the great underreaction oh yes let's do that So this week's great underreaction. So I have something I'm greatly underreacting to about this whole story with Serena Williams, but I have to be so careful talking about it because this is a sensitive topic, shall we say? So in I'm not going to tell you what I'm or just in general. Well, I live with a sociologist. Uh, oh, don't call her radical, that. Radical left-wing sociologist. Mm. So yeah, some heated discussions. I actually told her I couldn't talk about the Serena Williams uh, with her because I didn't want to waste my material on her. Nice. I wanted to save it for the podcast. And then she went, she went, so we can't talk about anything in case you're going to talk about it on your podcast. I was like, no, just like <laughs> this one sporting thing. Just anything like that might of, be enjoyable. <laughs> one, of, one, five, one of five sporting topics that will be on next week's episode. <laughs> no, we can't talk about that. But apart from that, there's like an infinity of topics, but. Uh, it was just one of those conversations that that didn't go well for me. <laughs> one of many. <laughs> one of many. Yes. Okay. So uh, basically, this my story with Serena Williams thing. Right. So this is what happened. Serena Williams playing in the U.S. Open final. She has some clashes with the umpire. The umpire docks her a point, and then she docks her a game, and. Serena Williams goes, it's mental. And then afterwards, in press conference, she says she's fighting against sexism from this male umpire. Mm. And then 
just imagine taking that and then just dropping it into the internet and Twitter. And you can imagine what Twitter did with that. I mean, what the whole internet has done. It's just become this huge story. Uh, so I thought that, um, well, my, my feeling with this story is I actually changed my mind about five times over what I thought, whether I thought the umpire was in the right or wrong. And so because I changed my mind five times, and I'll talk about why and exactly what, what my thinking was, I think what I'm greatly underreacting to is anyone thinking that this specific event is a clear indication of anything. Oh. So that's my great underreaction. But then now I have to like really work hard to defend that. Because yeah, that's controversial. No, like, no, otherwise it sounds like I like I'm pro sexism or racism. Yes, which I definitely am not. Are you sure though? I, well, I might have an unconscious bias. Yes. You know, Helen did an unconscious bias test last night on her laptop, uh, and she has no unconscious bias. Well, she did it wrong then. I know. Well. I uh, have been trained in unconscious bias and avoiding unconscious Mm -hmm. bias. You have to, because I've done admissions interviews for the university here, you have to, as part of that, undertake a a course on mitigating unconscious bias. Anyway. Okay, so So, uh, tell us why the black woman's wrong, Andrew. Oh, fuck you. Oh, I'm really nervous. Okay, I just be honest. Just be honest, Andy. I'll just be honest. Okay, so the first thing was uh, I heard, I saw some something in, I think it was The Guardian, and I read it, and I just thought, God, that umpire is a complete buck and good for Serena Williams for standing up against sexism. And then I saw this tweet, Rita Pahani, who is... Uh, I've got no idea who she is, actually. I think she's an Australian journalist. So because she's a woman of colour that you've not bothered to um, look into who she is? Rita, I mispronounced her second name. It's Rita pa- Panahi, not Pahani. God damn it. <laughs> I'm not cleaning <laughs> any of this info. <laughs> this is terrible. Oh, no. I feel really nervous. Okay, anyway, Rita made this point. So uh, Rita said, uh, was Serena sticking up for women's rights when she threatened violence against a female line judge in 2009 at the US Open, when she abused a female umpire during the 2011 US Open, or when she threatened to sue a female umpire at Wimbledon in 2016. So Rita Panahi is making the point that Serena Williams has previous on getting annoyed and angry at officials. Mm -hmm. And um, when she got annoyed and angry at these female officials, it was, she wasn't about sticking up for women's rights and sexism. So Rita thinks, why is she, why is it now? Because it's a man that she suddenly is now sticking up for women's rights. Uh So that was like the first seed of doubt. I was like, Oh, hang on. Right. So Serena Williams is, as previous and you know whenever it's been a woman it's not been about it's just been about like i don't like you official because i disagree with what you've done whereas when it's a man it's been about sexism so that was the first seed of doubt but then i read an article that was like well it wasn't the point wasn't really that she got angry it was that when she got angry women and this is a fact i totally agree with this they're more likely to be labeled as emotional or hysterical yeah and that um, Serena Williams' anger was treated as like this emotional, hysterical thing, and the umpire 
acted out of proportion with what Serena Williams was doing. So then I was back on Serena's side. I was like, yeah, this umpire. Okay. And then I made the decision. All I've done this, all this is all in about five minutes on the internet. <laughs> and then I made a decision to actually watch the clip. Yep. Right. And then when I watched the clip, I'm thinking to myself, I am not seeing anything that I would describe as hysteria or emotional. I'm just seeing anger and aggression from Serena Williams and pointing at the umpire and calling him a liar and a thief and demanding an apology and shouting and clearly angry. And then I thought, oh, is that what she actually did? Then in that case, you can't talk to an official like that in any sport and not get punished. And so then I was like, well, I kind of don't blame the umpire. It was like one thing after another, right? It was three things. It was the getting coaching. So that was a warning. And then it was throwing your racket on the ground. So that was one point. And then it was um, shouting and pointing and calling him a liar and a thief. And, that. and then he docked the game. And I think he was, he was stupid to dock the game. Um, so then I'm back on the umpire side a little bit. And then, um, and then a bunch of articles came out. Basically, were saying like there was um, all of the problems anyone's ever had with this umpire, and it seems like a mix of men and women. And it just seems that everyone hates this guy's guts, yeah. no matter who you are. So, um, apart from um, Greg Rosetsky, really? Yeah, I Greg Rosetsky that. thought that Serena was in the wrong, but most other people, I think, have have said that it was definitely poorly umpired. I think that's. I think that's probably. Right. I think this was a case where an, uh, the umpire, he escalated too quickly and he shouldn't have escalated to that point. But I can't, because of all this stuff I've said, like it just, I can't see it as a clear cut case that this umpire was sexist. This was like a sexist act towards Serena Williams. Okay. And it may well have been. I'm not saying it wasn't. I'm just saying there's too many confounding things to know. So that's why, where I am. Okay. So my feelings on this are that you can separate whether or not Serena Williams was in the right or was not in the right and whether or not she was the result of sexism. And you do that by looking at both the reaction and how it would compare to how her male counterparts might be treated and also the fallout from this so mm-hmm. an example of this would be so let's just like totally separate whether or not serena was right to give the umpire a hard time and whether the umpire overreacted to her after the match when she was having to do her her press conference thing to, to all of the journalists and serena's very recently become a, a mother and the fact that she was in the final of the the US Open was was kind of a story in itself of like, how mm. has she done this when she had a baby like six months ago or something? I know. Absolutely amazing. And someone asked her, how do you think that your child would respond to the way that you've behaved today? And I remember oh thinking, there's absolutely no way that they would have asked that question of Novak Djokovic if oh, yeah. he'd had a baby six months ago. There's yeah, absolutely no way that they would have asked Novak whether, and they, I think the implication as well was like, you're still super hormonal, 
and that there's oh. a lack of rationality in the way that you're responding to this situation, which is a yeah. physical thing that's coming from the fact that you've got a woman's body that produces things that make women behave differently. This is an absolutely terrible thing that happens to mothers more than it happens to fathers, is when a mother does something in public that people might take issue with, it becomes evidence of them as a bad mother. Yeah. And that just doesn't happen to fathers, and it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, there's no question that after um, Andy Murray became a father, he was, like, looking up at his box and bitching and swearing and, you know, being a complete moody twat because that's what, what mm. he does too. I don't remember him ever being asked, like, how do you think that you're – currently infant daughter will feel when she sees this when she's old enough to comprehend it in what seven years time never yeah, comes absolutely. up and yeah. in part that's because the grumpy behaviors or the the slightly more um argumentative behaviors which serena expressed in the final are much more accepted when it comes to men and mm. so her like being aggressive and confrontational is also regarded as being unfeminine in a sport that wouldn't let their athletes wear shorts when the men do. Or that woman who changed her top. Right. Like, so I was going to bring that up as well. Earlier um, in the, the tournament, Elise Cornette was penalized at the US Open because she changed her shirt, which she did in the locker room, and when she came out to play, she realized that she put it on back to front. So she took her arms out of the shirt, lifted it up, turned it round, and pulled it back on. Underneath, she's got a large sports bra, and she got a, a court violation for doing that. That's totally ridiculous. Now, you yeah. can see what she does, which is... She very quickly takes her shirt off, turns it around and puts it back on. And this was also like the hottest US Open of all time. And they mm. had heat rules in effect and they had players withdrawing because they were passing out because it was hot. And at the change of ends, you had the male players like Novak Djokovic sitting with their shirts off with ice packs around their shoulders. They're just sitting in a pair of shorts at the side and they're not mm. getting a violation. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So there was already, I think, in this tournament, a bit of a like, this is complete shite. There's like the sexism in the sport is is was already mm. slightly on the radar. Oh, totally. So I I should be really clear. I think that so there is sexism and racism in the sport, and they exist. And Serena Williams has had to break through uncountable many barriers on the way to the top of the game. I have no, I'm totally not in dispute with that. I just, the one thing I was feeling like wasn't quite right about this was I can't look at that umpire and say that this act here was like a sexist or um, an act motivated by sexism. That was where I was coming from. Mm. I don't know. Do you understand that? I think that I probably thought that there was a reaction to Serena, which was which I would have been much more surprised to see happen to a male player. Really? Because yeah. that, that totally was not my reading of the of the video. When I saw the video, 
I just thought if you if you say talk to an umpire, an official in any sport like that, regardless of who you are, there'll be some consequence. You don't don't agree? No, so I think that that can be true, and also the the um, the way that the whole exchange occurred and the rapid escalation and the like complete lack of tolerance or malleability from the umpire can also mm-hmm. be rooted in treating women differently from how the male athletes would be treated. Mm-hmm. And I, I like I guess what I, I guess I just haven't I haven't seen the video of, you know, the the counter thing with a man doing that and not get I haven't seen that that happen you know a man say talking to an umpire like that and the umpire just doing nothing oh maybe these things exist and I have not seen them but it, it felt like it, I was unsurprised that there was a consequence to speaking to an umpire like that I mean I think that um I mean I've definitely seen many instances of the particularly the elite male players just absolutely losing their fucking rags with umpires and I have seen them do that I've seen them be angry right I I think the difference is that they don't think if you question the if you question the integrity of the umpire they don't I've not seen them say you're a, a liar and demanding an apology from the umpire I've just seen you know like I, well, I mean that but that's quite specific yeah I get. Well, I just put it under the umbrella of you know, like I don't know what it, what you would call it, um, questioning the integrity of the um, officials. Right, that's not allowed in any sport, really, is it? No, but I mean, there's the the rigidity of the the rules, mm. which is is set. And then also their interpretation and how they're put into practice. Like you're not allowed to question the officials in in football either, but you see players lose their minds in front of referees, and it's only when they say to the referee, "Like I'm gonna meet you after the game and and sodomize you," that they actually get booked, <laughs> right? Because yeah. you can no, see I agree. them swearing at the referees, and you can see yeah. them going crazy. I know you can just he doesn't take a, a lip reader it's know what they're saying yeah actually now lip read like fuck you in like four languages as a result of just watching football yeah exactly uh, yeah but uh, i i agree i think we're almost in, in, entirely in agreement here i just think that i so I, I totally agree that he managed it badly and he shouldn't have docked the game right and that was an example of not managing the situation well and the umpire did a bad job i just i just wonder whether him doing a bad job is evidence of sexism that's my only wonder. I think that um, even if we can say that the the interpretation... I mean, I think that the umpire has been a bit of a knob, to be fair. Um, mm. I think you need to realize that it's an incredibly difficult occasion and it's incredibly hot and they're knackered and exhausted and playing in front of 25,000 people with a TV audience of, you know, 25 million people mm-hmm. and that you need to allow some some wiggle room there absolutely yeah absolutely Um, but then just look at the fallout from it and the way that it's been covered in the media Mm. and the stories which say that williams is like emotional 
and all of that kind of gendered language which surrounds yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely like my yeah, my great all... underreaction to all of that would be that the way that she was behaving was in any way linked to the fact that she's a woman as opposed to mm. the fact that she's an elite hyper competitive athlete. I know, exactly. I totally agree with you. Yeah. And the the media did a terrible job at covering this in general. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The one thing that I, I also took a slight issue with, and this is like a little bugbear of mine, this is getting to repeated arguments that I have in my house with Helen, is the people saying this umpire has never docked a game from a man. As though that as uh, the point being that's evidence, right? For his sexism. Yeah. So my only my only um, concern with that is I don't know how often games get docked. I think it's pretty rare that you have kind of three things in a row all in one set. Actually, I think it was all within like three games where you have where you escalate, escalate, and a game's docked. It's very rare. So so even if let's say this guy has docked three games in his t- entire career, this umpire, and and all three of them were women. I would still say, and this is going to sound really bad, but I'll, I'll try and explain it afterwards. I would still say, I would say that's reason for concern, but on is not clear evidence of sexism because it's such a low, um, a low frequency event. So, and this is, I think this is like, because I see everything through the lens of stats, statistical inference. So if you're, the if you live in a completely equal world then it would equally be likely that a man or a woman would have their get those games docked so that's like 50 50 chance and if you flip a coin that's 50 50 heads or tails you can flip a coin and get three heads in a row without that coin being biased that can happen loads so when it's something like a low frequency event and a weird situation and saying like you know these three these three calls really quickly and the escalation and the fact that it almost never happens the fact that he's never um doctor game of a man is entirely consistent with the hypothesis that he's not sexist so i don't know if i've expressed that no i mean i agree probably. that's basic probability although yeah. um... i mean i agree that you would you would want to look into you would want to say like if the balance of evidence that could be part of a piece of a wider body of evidence against this umpire and then it's more persuasive but okay. just focusing on that i would say is is uh, i just think that sometimes gets lost it's the same with like i don't know when you look at like a board member uh, one board in a company that's like five people um you know there's four men and one woman <laughs> you just Digging so hard, right? I'm digging so hard, but I really there is sexism in the world. But when you get down to the micro level of small sample sizes, pure chance, even in in a completely fair world, would lead to situations so that people are pointing out as evidence. So, anyway, we'll see what comes back. Maybe I've just burned our podcast career, a burgeoning podcast career, absolutely burned burned it to the the ground. Burned it to the ground. So, what's what's your uh, final underreaction of the week, then, Andrew? That you hate black women? Fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> my my underreaction is in general is, is 
I, I reacting to anyone who thinks that this is clear evidence of, of I'm so confused by this whole thing. This umpire could be sexist as fuck. It could not be. I'm just totally confused. Okay. So I'm reacting against my, I'm underreacting to certainty. Okay. Um, we're going to take a break and then we'll come back with other stories from the week. Get popped twice, once with the dice. Got shooters that'll take out any mark for a price. Still gotta get them back for that park heist. Been busy in the lab trying to get a Tony Stark's nice with no bourbon sight. So dark, use a suburban night. I'm not that silly looking turban right off your head. You're dead on your bitch. I'll break your nose if you cock block. Might say some wild stuff on the mic, but don't refer to me as a shock jock. I'm very cocky, yock, eating teriyaki bok. Groupies willing to drink sake out of sock. They flock in droves to tell. That their fans mad overzealous The hell with this rap shit About to start writing novellas Be bestsellers Dodging Jerry Hellers And never rocking Perryellas The composer piping the cellist Got it doing something violent A homemade movie That's a porn flick mate With me and her fornicate shot From my point of view Lames will annoy the few So-called rulers But only after a joint or two That spot is mine I'm mad known That other rapper's just another king That I had to dethrone Cause I'm bad to the Okay, welcome back. Um, section one, I mean, not the funniest section we've ever done, but then um, it would have really pushed it over the top if Andy had found the sexist treatment of the black women hilarious. <laughs> Actually, you know what we never mentioned? We never mentioned the poor 20-year-old um, opponent. No one has mentioned the poor 20-year-old opponent I've, I've who won her first her title. Naomi, Naomi, Osaka, Naomi Osaka. I feel sorry Nobody her, even noticed that she won the the title. Poor Naomi. I noticed you, Naomi, even though I forgot your name right a second ago. Yeah. Yeah. But you um, will always exist on Google. Yeah. Okay, so um, I've got a, a story from from the week. Well, it's from a couple of weeks ago, but I didn't get around to it. But I'm going back to unusual things happening in dressing rooms. So this story was in uh, the Mirror, and it's the Norwich City paint away dressing room pink. Pink is in capital letters to emphasise the fact that it's pink. An unusual bid to increase home advantage at Carroll Road. The logic behind this is that it's going to lower their opponent's testosterone levels. Sports psychology lecturer Dr. Alexander Latiniak said, quote, pink has an effect, not because it is pink, but because it's linked to childhood experiences. If it is true that pink lowers testosterone levels, then the coach should know exactly how to use that advantage tactically. (laughs) So... Let me just first say that it's linked to childhood experiences. Then pink does have an effect because it is pink, Alexander. Um, (laughs) Secondly, I think this has to be one of the most bollocks things I've read for a very long time. Oh my God. I I cannot deal with this, especially since, what did he say? If it is true that pink lowers testosterone levels. (laughs) So it's it's like, if... 
this very controversial statement is true, then it's worth doing. But if this actually. assumption that this whole thing is predicated on is in fact true, then it would be worth it. I did so, see you. What, how did you pronounce the second name, Doctor Alexander Latinyak? Latinyak. L a t i n j a k. I think that's Latin Jack. Latin Jack. Yeah, which is Jackus. Have you just had a stroke? No, I just made a Latin joke. <laughs> <laughs> the Latin for Jack is Jackus. <laughs> oh my god, it's terrible. I've got another one for you. Roman walked into a bar. And uh, he went up to a barman and he said, I'll have a, a vodka martinez, please. And the barman said, you mean a vodka martini? And he said, no, if I'd wanted a double, I'd have asked for it. <laughs> I thought there you were going to say, no, just the one. Oh, that's um, a, that might be better, actually. Yeah, yeah that's okay. I'll, I'll tidy up your Latin-based jokes. <laughs> I think that's yeah. it. I don't have any other ones. Andrew and I know Latin very well because we, we did it at school, didn't we? Uh, we did not do it at school because we went to a state school. And and why did we not do it at school? Because we couldn't. Because it, it wasn't on offer at our school. No. Anyway, that's just all the Latin I know is from the West Wing. Yeah, post hoc ergo propter hoc. Yeah. There what does go. it mean? After the thing, because of the thing. From this, therefore, because of this. Yeah, something like that. I got it basically. No, it's not right. something like that. It's exactly that. Okay, yeah, I got the I got the essence of it. <laughs> I dare anyway, you. Back to, back when I give Alexander. a perfect translation, I dare you say, yeah, something like that. <laughs> exactly that. Yeah, okay, From exactly. this, therefore, because of this. Okay, you're very smart. Thank you. Let's get back to Alexander Jackus, who thinks... Okay, so uh, the pink dressing room is not actually the first time that this has been employed by Norwich. The University of Iowa... Um, American football team, their collegiate team, did the same. It's been mm -hmm. used in prison cells in an attempt to calm prisoners down. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my <laughs> like, god. oh, I've just been murdering folk, but now I'm in this nice pink room, so I feel fucking awesome. <laughs> um, that is so ridiculous. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of people telling me when um, Helen was pregnant with Felix and they're asking about the nursery people were saying oh it matters what you pick the room and they were telling me about like research that showed that painting the nursery yellow is really good it like makes your baby smarter mm. and uh, if you paint it green that's really good because it like makes the baby thinks it's outside you know and if you paint it like red that's really bad it'll, and it will be like it'll have ptsd for the rest of its life ptsd <laughs> like from the red i don't know and i just was so skeptical about it. actually i think it was like two different people but Oh my god! I just thought I could not believe people were saying this to me. That's this reminds me of that. Yeah, I mean, just like absolutely not going to make any difference, babies and morons. <laughs> do you um, think that the pink? What do you think has more of an effect, a pink locker room or a taxidermied bear? <laughs> that's what I was going to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's or what I was going to say. We'll throw a pack of wolves as well. Which of yeah. those three things? <laughs> I was going to say, we need to get the sperm whale in the away locker room. That's going to be much more effective. So yeah, uh, Latin Jack uh -huh. uh, 
went on to say, and I like I thought in the article, I said like, oh, thank God, this guy's going to get me back on side. He says, I personally wouldn't have spent the time bothering to change the locker room color. There are lots of things you do before that. Mm, indeed. Yeah. And, I, and I was like, damn right, this mm. is bollocks. And then he went on to say, now that teams will know about the pink locker room, they could take countermeasures to ensure higher <laughs> testosterone levels. <laughs> it might even be that players from other teams have some fun. Just got, like, they could this... go in there all tense, but start smiling. <laughs> smiling is linked to an improvement in performance. <laughs> you go back to the, the, the sperm whale. That could work. I've got a theory. So yeah. the blue... Hang on, let me go on Wikipedia. The blue whale penis... I'll go to the blue yeah. whale. I can't find a sperm whale penis stats online, so we'll shift it to a blue whale. That yeah. penis is... Average penis length of a blue whale is 2.4 meters to 3 yeah. meters. So anywhere between 2.4 and 3 meters. So you Which put that is... The, um, it's about... I would be about 60% of the length of a blue whale's knob. Yeah, the bottom end of that, 2.4 meters, yeah. So... Yeah. Uh, if you're a man, you're there, you're seeing this animal, you're seeing the size of its penis, and you're just thinking, God, my penis is rubbish. And your <laughs> testosterone levels go down. because, And it's not because, you know, the penis itself has any effect. It's because it's tied to childhood experience of looking at your knob and wishing it was bigger. Yeah. Okay. I mean... Do they just need to put like the Nirvana Nevermind <laughs> album on the wall? And there's just like a baby with a tiny knob. And they'll be like, oh shit, that baby's got a tiny knob. Seeing a small knob makes my testosterone go down. <laughs> oh wait, so if seeing a big knob makes it go down and seeing a small knob makes it go down, just seeing knobs, that's just like bad Just thing. knobs is the, <laughs> right, because we've just gone incredibly simplistic here, which is the testosterone we associate with masculinity mm. and so masculinity is just penises and penis size that's what we just did there right how quickly can your testosterone levels change if you arrive to the stadium and you go into the away dressing room at 2 20 mm-hmm. and kickoff is at three o'clock like how far have your testosterone levels dropped before you go out there I've no like idea. everyone's just there leaking testosterone. Let's get a testosterone expert on the podcast. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty stupid. I think the answer, if you want to increase your home advantage, then the answer is definitely taxidermy bear in your own dressing room. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, did you did you enjoy anything from the week? Uh, I I have an article that I definitely did not enjoy. Oh, you've um, gone for an anti-enjoy. Yeah, and this is... Uh, this was actually, I wanted to talk about it on episode three, but we ran out of time. Um, so this is from The Guardian on September the 4th. And the headline reads, Crystal Palace ladies players told to each raise £250 to keep the club going. Oh. So the, these are members of Crystal Palace, Palace ladies team, and they've been told that they won't be able to represent the club any longer if they can't reach, they can't each raise £250 in sponsorship or pay the money themselves, right? Yeah. And I cannot believe, I cannot believe that a Premier League club, one, so all Premier League clubs are dripping with money, right, from the TV yeah. deal. I cannot believe that a Premier League club is asking their squad to pay £250 each 
in order to stay a member of their squad. All right, so uh, I did some maths on this because I've got a maths degree, Carl. So I did some you maths. Do. Yeah. Anyway, so I've done some uh, some sums, right? So I've assumed. Uh, okay, so the twenty three is the maximum squad size in the women's super league. So wow. tw- twenty three times two fifty that's seven thousand five hundred pounds. Right. So yeah. this is Crystal Palace saying we need seven thousand five hundred pounds, or you can't be a team anymore. Yeah. So let's put that in context. Uh, Wilfred Zaha, who I would say is their star player. Wait, can I go back to your? Can I go back to your maths? So yeah. it's twenty three times two hundred and fifty. Yeah. And that makes what? Seven thousand five hundred pounds. And so would that be that they need? So do they need to raise two hundred and fifty pounds a week for their wages, or no. do they just need to raise that total? Just total. Right, just okay. That's what's crazy okay. about this. So they need to raise seven thousand five hundred pounds. Yeah, and that is—I I would use the phrase "a drop in the ocean" to this club, but that is like even that is overestimating how much this is to a Premier League club. So Wilfred okay. Zaha, who's their best player, um, yep. he earns one hundred and ten thousand pounds per week. So, yeah, if you do the maths, this. Seven thousand five hundred pounds. This pays for eleven hours of Zaha. So eleven <laughs> hours of one male player versus an entire season of an entire team. That is what it equates to. And, the um, actually that the is revenues for Crystal Palace in total. Uh-huh. The turnover is about one hundred and two million pounds. From broadcasting rights, they get seventy-eight million pounds. From sponsorship and advertising, they get four million pounds. Get receipts, twelve million pounds. Um, other commercial activities, six million pounds. It's ridiculous. It doesn't say here anywhere that they're that they're in danger of foreclosing because they're spending seventy-five thousand pounds on a women's team. Se- Seven thousand five hundred pounds. Oh shit! No, that'll be the difference then. <laughs> Seven thousand five hundred. Yeah, it's a factor of ten ah, less. Okay. It's ridiculous. And this one, this one will really get you going, Callum. I forgot yeah. this player played for Crystal Palace. Andros fucking Townsend. Andros Townsend is on eighty thousand pounds a week. So that is fifteen hours of Andros Townsend. Jesus, fifteen hours of Andros Townsend. He is so shit football. To be fair, in those 15 hours, he would cut inside at least 180 <laughs> times. Actually, I'll put a little note on my maths here. So the way I counted their hourly rates per player, I divided, so I've got their per week wage from the, a website. So then I divided it by seven to get daily wage, and then I divided it by 24 to get an hourly wage. So these actually include like when the players are like at home asleep. Yeah. So, so it's actually like even worse. That than includes that. Uh, like Andros Townsend at the Odeon, yeah, watching the, <laughs> the Avengers film. Yeah, so just pick the eleven hours of Zaha when he's not at the fucking club. Exactly, and that pays for the entire women's team. That's like, unbelievable. Isn't it unbelievable they they've done that? Why can't there be money shared across? I just don't understand. I would love to see a ladies' game develop more, and I can't believe that the astronomical amounts of money in the Premier League aren't making their way to the women's game. 
It's a travesty. Well, it's one of the the things that actually the the US has an enviable model. Somehow they managed to introduce Title Nine, and their and Title Nine means that you're not allowed to fund uh, men's sports more than women's sports. Really. So it says, Title IX of the Education Amendments Act, 1972, is a federal law that states no person in the United States shall, on the basis of sex, be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefits of, or be subject to discrimination under any education program or activity receiving federal financial assistance. So for every um, sports team in the States that receives money, they have to also fund women's equivalent sports which means that um, for a a huge number of sports and including in particular soccer the women's national team is really good Mm. and their their sport is much better Mm. it's the same for um, the women's basketball league their collegiate sport leagues are are much, 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 much better publicized, much higher quality, mm. much better funded because of basic anti-discrimination law. I didn't know that. That's good to know. Yeah. yeah. I feel like, you know, football fans are addicted to football. Yeah. If someone makes an investment in the women's game in the UK and they put it on TV, the viewers will come, especially they, this is what they do in the, the women's super leagues over the summer, right? You know, these yeah, summer yeah. months when players are starved, people, ad fans are starved. Like, I've watched so many women's football games, but I'd watch them anyway. I'd just watch the goals and the highlights from the women's game if they were on TV, easily to find. I think they're, you have to get it through Sky at the moment, and it's just harder to find them. I, I think like the, um, the, the growing commercialization of the, the Premier League in particular, and in the last, you know, 20 years since its inception, the the Premier League is... is sort of moved away from everything else and now you're looking at teams which are about buying the most expensive flashy players and theoretically provide the highest quality of football and and that's fine but then you can find yourself with this product and and these like sort of much more mercenary figures with a much less identifiable club um, and that's why you get all these protests from fans that's why you have like situations like in Arsenal where Stan Kroenke's bought the club he has no interest in being anywhere near Arsenal any of the time the shareholders don't exist anymore and Mm. the the football I think especially when I was watching the World Cup I very regularly was like this this does my head in these guys just like cheat incessantly and they feign injury incessantly Mm. and if you watch the women's game it's almost like going back to a more authentic mm. form of competition from 20, 30 years ago. Like someone gets elbowed in the face and they don't roll around pretending like they're in agony. Mm. They get up pretending that it doesn't hurt as much as it does because that's what you used to do back in the day. Mm. You used to be like, I'm not hurt. I'm not in any way diminished by what you've just done to me. Mm. And that's what happens in most other sports. Yeah, But somehow that's been totally lost in football in the Premier League era where people writhe and scream like they've been shot yeah. and then they get up again once the other card's been given. They play this game. And so I'm, I'm totally with you. If yeah. you marketed women's football better, 
and invested a little bit more, I think people would start to come. They used to watch women's football much more mm. before the wars. Mm. And it's it's been squashed out. It's a, it's not always been this way. Mm. Yeah, well, hopefully that'll... I think that someone has to see this opportunity and start putting serious money into it. I think yeah. that hopefully, fingers crossed, that happened. Anyway. All right, do you have a story? Yeah, I've got another um, testosterone-related to performance issue. Okay. Um, my story is from uh, last week, and it was featured in, in a bunch of the American news media. And it was a high school football coach got fired because there was an investigation about water being spiked with a male enhancement drug. Now, male enhancement drug is a euphemism. What do you think a male enhancement drug might be, Andrew? Okay, it's not Viagra. Yes. (laughs) Is it Viagra? Yeah. Are you joking me? So it's it's a complicated story but basically a high school coach a varsity football coach and this is American football not um, soccer football um, spiked the water (laughs) two students spiked the water at a junior varsity football practice and he was dismissed because he didn't report that it had happened properly but it kind of leads back to the same question as we have for our our last story which is, is would like putting something which is ostensibly going to make your testosterone rise make you be any better at sports? It depends on the sport. I'm trying. Let me put it another way for you, Andrew. <laughs> is there any sport that you think that you would perform better at if you were guaranteed to have a boner for the whole time? <laughs> That's what I was thinking of. I didn't want to dismiss all sports straight off, just offhand, right? My instinct is <laughs> Very no, careful but... in this discussion with <laughs> phrases like offhand. <laughs> Let me think. I'm sure I can come up with an advantage for a boner. Judo. Yeah. <laughs> Judo's not going to be helpful. <laughs> yes. It will, because you're, you're in close proximity. You're writhing on the mat. And then suddenly your opponent notices you've got a raging boner. <laughs> and then for a split second, they're distracted and boom, you've got them. You've, you've won. Well, they kind of like wrap their legs around each other and stuff, don't they? Oh, yeah. So maybe if you had a, if a massive done, boner, you'd, you'd be able to like poke <laughs> them in the eye. If you've done the thigh around the neck wrap. <laughs> and then you've also got this face poking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about like if you're at the Arsenal match and you were sitting on the the side and you were seeing Hector Bellerin run up and down the wing and then you just noticed that he had a, he had a tent and his shorts. Oh, you know what it would be though? It would be Danny Welbeck with the boner assist or the boner goal. <laughs> you know, yeah. The classic Danny Welbeck. It would goal. help Danny Welbeck because it would give him an extra limb to. <laughs> accidentally shin the ball in off of. So Danny Welbeck, he has a, uh, I think he scored many goals like this for Arsenal where he like miscues his shot, it bounces off his standing leg, off his knee, off his shoulder, off his face and into the goal. Or there's one where he like misses, but then he turns around and he just falls on the ball and it just trickles over the line. I just think that (laughs) this is just one more appendage that increases Danny Welbeck's chance of scoring because he's got this unusual style of scoring goals. 
So I think I'm glad we didn't reject all of sport offhand. But if we go to just the phrase offhand again. <laughs> but if we go back to junior varsity football, I can't see how having a boner helps you with football. If anything, especially if you're that guy who's doing the uh, what's it called when you do the huh? I mean, you're the guy who's throwing the ball back. What's Quarterback. That? No, no, you're the guy who's throwing the ball back between your oh, legs. Oh, the center. If you've got a really long penis, you might knock that. Well, ball then that would help, course. right? Because it would get up out of the way. Oh, because it's up. Yeah. So that is an example <laughs> of. Okay, sorry. We found. We if found... it weren't for the fact that you were a father of a three-year-old, then I, you know, would be questioning the fact that I just had to explain how an erection works to you. <laughs> I forgot that they were like. I thought they were bending <laughs> forward enough that because they're bending down, they're maybe it would you know, probably still play. Yeah, they are. It'd probably be perpendicular to. Anyway, never mind. <laughs> Again, I think basics of basics of erections lost on Andrea. Yeah, actually, it's but, because I've got low testosterone. You know, well, I do wonder if maybe this high school football coach. Um, was preparing for the fact that their opponents had painted their dressing room pink <laughs> and he thought he could offset it by giving everyone a boner. Yeah, absolutely. But that would have just been competing emotions, your testosterone lowered, but then also heightened and it would have been all over the place. Okay, let's take a break. She knew that I was smashing little Debbie and I still bagged the hostess. Don't fuck with Edelman's ghosts from the tenements. Living with no stress, even if we shooting dice. And I roll a uno dos stress, no stress. Get zebra cakes, cause of all these nutty bars. Cats trying to make a blueprint, we'll have to study ours. Scriptures that the nerves and the goons acknowledge. I attribute this to years in the junior college. G honey from the buses to the birth saw. People knew my shit was money from the first bar. A good guest and an ill host. These other cats, milk toast, fake Steve Will Coast. Should've stopped the doing security, your honor. That's a cush gig, like selling medical marijuana. I must your wig, expose your phony persona. And if the touch big on your baby mom's of honor, cream pies, demonized hoes, just to see myself a steam rise. I lower yours, stupid though I seem wise. Dumb as a rock, it doesn't come as a Okay, Andrew, this week's uh, Trope of the Week is is something that I've come across, um, and it was inspired by a story from this Sunday, which was Angry Browns fans sent mean tweets to the wrong Zane Gonzalez. Now, in the Sunday game, the Browns kicker, Zane Gonzalez, missed a couple of very crucial kicks and they lost the game and a torrent of vitriol was spouted at a guy called at zaneg underscore five who is a graduate assistant baseball coach at university of rio grande (laughs) (laughs) and he just like kept retweeting people who were saying like how do you feel about yourself? This is terrible. <laughs> or like, I hope you're proud. Oh, or no. like, you suck. And he was like, it's not me, guys. And I realized this is actually quite a tropey thing. So in um, in 2011, there was a story that's never lost left me, which was, <laughs> which was when uh, Chris Foy was refereeing the Tottenham-Stoke game and he gave a couple of decisions in favour of Stoke. And Tottenham fans took to Twitter with their, their righteous fury 
and absolutely bombarded Sir Chris Hoy. (laughs) 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 The Olympic gold medal winning cyclist. (laughs) And he got like a day's worth of abuse. Now, firstly, if you are a person, don't watch sport to direct vitriol towards the people that you're watching. It's an absolutely terrible thing to do, and you're just not a a good human being if you're going to tweet shit at people. Um, Do you think that the Browns kicker feels worse than you do after he's clearly about to lose Mm. his job on national TV where he's let all his teammates and friends die? I think what he probably doesn't need is you tweeting shit about how much you hate him. But also, like, I think it's quite funny that the people who have the approach where they would do that, because you would never do that, I would never do that, the dumb fucks who do that just can never find the right person. (laughs) So they just find a Zane Gonzalez and tweet, you're a wanker, I hate you so much. Now, my favourite one was that... uh, this week, there was this knobhead on Twitter called Russ Dixon, and he's a Steelers fan, and he tweeted at Bud Dupree, who's a linebacker for the Steelers, and he said, where the fuck you been all game? And then he posted this tweet where Bud Dupree went into his DMs and just replied, I was at your girl house laid up, what you gonna do? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> And I'm fully in favour of professional athletes replying to Nobez on Twitter when they say, what have you been doing? By just going, shagging your mum. <laughs> oh, man. I found one. I just did Google um, mistaken Twitter identity sports. I Google something like that. And I found one from Phil Neville. Phil Neville tweeted, the radiator salesman from Suffolk has received 63,700 hits on his Twitter account since England <laughs> lost to Uruguay. For <laughs> <laughs> Phil Neville, the radiator salesman from Suffolk. There's a computer science educator called John Lewis who's got at John Lewis. <laughs> no. Oh, my God. I bet they've offered him lots of money to take that back as well. Man, that's funny. I'm going to tweet Tony Hibbert some shit just now. Hang on. I'll just tweet Tony Hibbert, you're a wanker. Because oh, that's wow. what we do so with I actually athletes. really hate this. Like, the Twitter, is, the Twitter and Facebook and social media has brought out this horrible side of fans where before they would just vote at their friends. Now they contact the person directly, right? You know, we're ripping on Mustafi, but I'm not like sending Mustafi's wife a message saying, get your husband out of our yeah. country or whatever, you know, like, which people do this sort of stuff. Like, it, what was it that I put an article in the yeah. pocket and I think it was Alan Shearer's wife and kids have had death threats yeah. over his pundit. You did. And that's because of his punditry. He's not even yeah. playing the game anymore. His family get abused. It was an interview with um, Mark Chapman in The Guardian and he said that um, Alan Shearer's family get abuse for his punditry. His punditry is shit, though. <laughs> his punditry shit. is shit. But, like, I, I would just not message mm. his wife or his kids. Like, if, if I met someone and they were like, oh, I'm Alan Shearer's son, 
I'd be like, I it's know. nice to meet you. I wouldn't go, your dad's know, a fucking knobhead on Match of the Day. I find his analysis uh, banal. Um, so that was my trope of the week. Yeah, so uh, I think we're we just everyone calm down. It's just sports. Let's just not. Oh, just like stop being dickheads to to professional athletes on teams that you supposedly support. I know that's yeah. That's that's the main thing. But if you're gonna be a dickhead, at least be smart enough to be a dickhead to the right person, <laughs> not confusing the referee that you want to target with one of the most celebrated Olympians of all time. Um, okay, so uh, we're going to go to this week's episode of How Is This Still a Thing? Okay, Callum, we're about to enter into the angry segment, but the whole show has been angry. I'm not sure how much Yeah, angry this is usually the time where we take a break from the, the humor and lighthearted nature of this podcast <laughs> to explore something that I look at on a regular basis and just don't understand how... Mm. it still exists mm-hmm. um but you lowered the tone with your racism uh, early on uh, and the fact that you hate women uh, so uh, i don't know where you're gonna go on this section i've just you know, my i've totally spiked any future chance of being an mp oh yeah i mean 100%. yeah probably did that episode up. one <laughs> When you talked about your shingly balls, can, no, you, can you imagine in the uh, in the House of Commons when you're trying to make a serious point, and then the the to- Tories are just like, "Yeah, no, but you had you had shingly balls," <laughs> and then they all just bash their tables. Okay, so my how's this still a thing for for this week? Is cheerleaders? I don't understand it, Andrew. I just every time I'm watching sport. And there's cheerleaders. I just don't understand how everyone doesn't look at that and just go, wait, what? Wow. What's your views, though? Because you um, hate women, so probably quite like. <laughs> Actually, let me now put my uh, open-minded credentials on the table and tell yeah. you that I, at university, went to a bring a friend to a cheerleading club day. You did? Yeah, it was Katie, right? Yeah, Katie, my flatmate, was in the uh, cheerleading society. I guess they were at Edinburgh Uni. So they had this this practice where you, any they like bring a friend. So uh, I went down, and they were like, "She was like, we need men, basically, because men don't go." So every man that was there was just there because some woman in their life twisted their arm, and they went. Um, oh, I've just totally like revoked my open-minded claim haven't i by admitting that i got my arm twisted to go oh well yeah fuck it. Anyway. and also they were like there's going to be loads of fit girls there and you'll be the only guy uh yeah but i mean let's be honest me at university and the sorts of women who were cheerleaders that was not a match so i'm just gonna edit that slightly <laughs> so it's me and women at university and any sorts of women were not a match. You fucking leave me alone in post, you dick. No. Okay. Fuck you every day in post. Yeah, so that wasn't honestly wasn't even in my mind because it was so far from a possibility, you know. Mm. Anyway, but it was quite fun. Uh, you know, you just got to throw these tiny women up in the air and they would do mm. like amazing flips and then you'd catch them. Mm. And that was quite fun. Yeah. So I'm 
I'm not really going to say that I, I I disagree with with cheerleading because I do recognise that there is a a quite well developed um, association and competitive sports background to some forms of cheerleading and oh, yeah. what you were talking about is really a form of organised gymnastics yeah. and is is competitive display based gymnastics. Yeah. What is less clear to me is why um, we need women who wear very little who stand at the sidelines of sports where the stars and well remunerated people are all male and shake pom-poms and i don't understand how that's not so discordant with everyone else (laughs) that we just immediately are like whoa no let's not do that that feels weird yeah um the nfl there are six teams who do not have cheerleading squads. The Buffalo Bills, the Chicago Bears, the Cleveland Browns, Green Bay Packers, New York Giants, and Pittsburgh Steelers. The American Football League um, cheerleaders are are definitely uh, a problem. They've had a number of scandals over the last 20 years, and in particular the last five. The, The coach of the Texans team resigned because of a body shaming lawsuit where she was telling people that they needed to, I mean, basically the same things that were more regularly reported about models recently were then um, transferred into to this cheerleading team. So like you need to lose weight, you're too fat. Women who are already incredibly in shape being told to lose another few pounds, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, Like one was told that she was skinny fat and so she had to duct tape part of her body. Uh, but then it's like, not. It's not. It's obviously in that situation. It's not about doing this impressive, like gymnastic display, which is, you know, what I think of cheerleading. I think of that Durston, uh, that Kirsten Dunst film. What was that one? Do you know the film I'm talking about? The Kirsten Dunst film, where she's a cheerleader. No, I would have watched it. No, you have watched it. Come on. Hang on. Kirsten Dunst cheerleader. It's it's uh Bring It On. Bring it on. Yes. Right? What they do oh my God. what the cheerleaders do in Bring It On is so impressive. And I know it's a movie, right? But the, there are these cheerleading comp- cheer competitions, basically, where they do these amazing yeah. displays and that's super impressive. So we're being distinct. That is good and great and impressive gymnastics. But in the NFL and in other sports, it's just some women standing at the side, waving their pom-poms and being objectified in some way. Can you tell me why you've seen this film? (laughs) I have a feeling it was on terrestrial television when I was... Well, it's not an excuse. There's lots of things on terrestrial (laughs) television. So here's the plot according to Wikipedia. I stand by this film. I like this film. It's good. Okay. No, you stand by. Okay. And I will read the plot. Okay. Torrance Shipman. Hang on. Spoilers. An 11th grade student. Are you sure you want to read it? Because spoilers, Carl. Yeah. Okay. An 11th grade student at Rancho Kearney High School in San Diego anxiously dreams about her first day of senior year. Her boyfriend, Aaron, has gone to college and her cheerleading squad, the Toros, is aiming for a sixth consecutive national title. Torrance is elected to replace the team captain, Big Red, who is graduating. Soon, however, teammate Carver is injured and can no longer compete with a broken leg. 
She holds auditions for her replacement and gains Missy Pantone, a gymnast who recently transferred to her school. Please stop. For Are you a senior read year this? with her twin brother Cliff. I found what you're reading and it's very long. Are you going to read the whole with, thing? <laughs> with whom Torrance develops a flirtatious <laughs> relationship. Reading, like this like 1,000 word synopsis on Wikipedia. <laughs> Are you going to keep reading it? Because every <laughs> sentence is <laughs> Don't spoil it. Okay, look, you haven't seen the film, you can't judge. Big Bring It On is a cult classic. Okay. So anyway, if we go aside from your weird It's not um, weird obsession man. with you're Kirsten Dunn. Out of the loop, right? People at our age, they've seen Bring It On. Okay. Um yeah. if you have seen Bring It On, please reach out and let us know. Okay. Um and if you think that Andy's standing by it is an acceptable position to adopt, hmm. then please do let me know that I'm in the wrong. Can I just Thank make you. it clear? I do not stand by the sequels, bring it on all or nothing and, <laughs> and, bring, it, and bring it on in it to win it and bring it on right to the finish and bring it on worldwide, worldwide cheer smack. Never... Worldwide cheer smack was an unexpected, <laughs> unexpected fifth film never, in the franchise. Never heard of that. That was, that was a whole uh, eight years after the the fourth. Uh, never heard of that. But um, can you imagine at least at least one person looked at that and went, "Worldwide cheer smack." Yeah, that's good. I can't it. Yeah, put millions of dollars to make that. Anyway, okay. Uh, well, we've lost the plot, <laughs> so let's go back to cheerleading as a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, now. The Indian Premier League, which is the much-publicised short-form cricket tournament, they've also got cheerleaders. And there was a um, sort of like insider expose that was um, published widely originally by Times of India and then and then went round uh, by how their cheerleaders, uh, these games are almost entirely white European women and they get ogled and harassed by the crowd for the entirety of the match. Mm. They get paid almost nothing and they're not allowed to talk to the the players. They're not not allowed to talk to the players? No, they weren't allowed to talk to the players. I guess in case they distract them with their their breasts. Um... And this is not like exclusive to to India. The Washington Redskins last year, who, I mean, if you think that a team might be capable of doing things that are not politically correct, choosing the one called the Redskins <laughs> would be a safe bet. Mm. They, in 2013, took their squad to Costa Rica for a, a cheerleading um, photo shoot and then took them to an adults-only um, resort afterwards and told them that they had to be topless. They had to wear nothing but body paint, and then the Redskins had invited high-paying donors and spectators. Oh, that is so creepy. Oh, that's horrible. I don't understand. Just cheerleaders. Why is that still yeah, a thing? I'm on the same page here. 
don't know if you thought because of I just don't get how that's, how that's not like a massive story that's red flagged everything. I would put in a similar class, I would put the scantily clad women at boxing matches who yes. hold the board up for the next round and yes. the women at car shows in bikinis draped over cars. Yes. Why do they? And um, they recently banned the walk-on girls in darts who they, was one of the more peculiar ones where you had darts players now I, what was it that you said earlier what's the opposite of an elite athlete <laughs> yeah okay that's the answer and you had them walking on with these incredibly dolled up girls with not a massive amount on who would just walk them through the alley pally crowd who are like dressed as bananas and pouring beer over themselves <laughs> and singing songs. And they just walk them to the stage mm-hmm. with their darts. And like, I could never understand why everyone wasn't going. That's kind of weird yeah. that that's happening, to be fair. No, I, they just stand and shake their pom-pom for 30 seconds and then they're done. And everything else is male. Right? So I don't mind competitive cheer squads. I don't mind cheerleading as a form of athletic practice. I do think it's problematic when it's bikinis and topless photo shoots and exploitation. You probably don't know because you hate women. <laughs> okay, so... Um, Good hell, man. I think that's everything, so uh, it's time for us to... It's my own fault, really. Uh, singly balls, daffodils in the mouth, and now I've just come out against like one of the best and most admirable people and said that I don't think the umpire is sexist against her. Exactly. Or not that even that. I've just said I'm not sure. I'm just not even convinced. No, don't try and walk it back now, because <laughs> I'm going to clean this up in post, so it's just you saying, I hate black women, again and again and again. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Okay, so it's time for us to predict the future. Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck. I've got no idea. Right. Um. Well, I can do yours for you if you want. Yours will just be... Women of colour overreacts because oh, of farming. <laughs> My prediction um, actually is going to be Jack Wilshire's other ankle gets injured during surgery on his <laughs> <injured ankle. laughs> I think that During surgery, surgery he's going to fall off his surgery bed and injure the other one. Yeah, I think that's And it'll be a minor niggle and then he'll get a minor clean-up surgery on it that's Expected timeline two to three weeks, and he will next play again in 2020. Yeah, I think that's a good prediction. Anyway, um, okay, so prediction? my prediction is that I think Spurs are going on a little bit of a wane just now, mm. and I think that the has Pochettino lost his magic, or has the Spurs project come to an end, mm. or something to do with Spurs being in crisis? Mm-hmm. Is going to be my prediction for for this week. That's a good prediction, and but it might not happen because there's this still this like over the narrative of Tottenham is this kind of in general a positive narrative, right? Yeah. In general, it's that Pochettino has taken them, and Pochettino is a great manager, and he has taken them to new levels, but they haven't yeah. won anything, right? But but like if you contrast Pochettino didn't sign a player this window. Yeah. And you had all the pundits saying, uh, this is savvy, right? If the players that improve your team aren't out there, then 
you don't buy those play- you don't buy a player, right? And the players improve the team when they're out there. They've got a great team, and Pochettino's going to be fine. And he's great. This is a great squad, and they were young, and that was savvy, right? When you compare that to Arsene Wenger and the narrative then with Arsene Wenger that season, we only signed Petr Cech in the summer, right? Everyone went ape about that, and that was because the narrative was of the decline, right? The narrative of Arsene Wenger was the decline. And so when Arsene Wenger doesn't sign an outfield player, it's everyone goes nuts and it's so obviously the wrong thing to do. When Pochettino does it, it's savvy. It's weird. But I think that you're going to have this the same thing, that a squad has like a natural evolution, right? Three or four years together maximum, and then you have to kind of rebuild. That's just... Yeah. That's just like a seems to be one of the constants in football. It seems to have to happen. And Pochettino's been with this squad three or four years. It's time for a rebuild, and he didn't do it. And it's going to stagnate. I totally agree with you. I just, the only thing I'm worried about is whether the media are, are still on this like positive narrative about Tottenham. Well, I read like five or six stories about what he said in, in advance of the. The I think they were playing Inter tonight as we're recording, and he said um, he was asked whether or not the exit at the hands of Juventus last year was going to be a positive experience, or a, like were they were Tottenham going to be better off for having gone through that? And he said the the experience does not help if you are not clever. It is like the cow in the field who sees the train pass by at the same time every day. <laughs> if you ask the cow what time the train, what time is the train, he won't have the answer. <laughs> experience will help, but not only experience wins you games. And I was like, everyone, like the narrative, the national press narrative was like the same as when Jose Mourinho lost his mind and started talking about omelets and eggs. And like a manager says something a bit quirky, mm. and they're like, "Oh, Uh-oh. he's gone a bit psycho." Yeah, it's like he's talked about cows, and then the, what was it? Nigel Pearson talked about ostriches. Was he asked? Like, yeah, when Nigel Pearson just uh, <laughs> no, but that was much worse because he <laughs> called a journalist a fucking ostrich or something. <laughs> he said, "Are you an ostrich?" He was like, "Are you, you an are an ostrich." <laughs> <laughs> Well, Ian, have you been on holiday for six months? Have you? Have you been away for six months? I'm not quite sure what specific Well, I think you must have been either um, head in the clouds, away on holiday, or reporting on a different team. Because if you don't know that the answer to that question, I think your question is absolutely... Um, Unbelievable! The fact that you do not understand where I'm coming from. If you don't know the answer to that question, then I think you're, you 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 are an ostrich. He was he was a horrible man. He was. Um, anyway. But I think like managers, when the media starts to report things that they say as being um, like they've gone crazy, that's usually a bad sign. Mm. Now Pochettino's analogy. When I read it, I was like. <laughs> That's a that's a badass analogy. Cows do sit next to fields where trains go by, and they don't know when the train is going to come by. That's true. That's a true thing. Like experience isn't useful. Getting to finals and losing them repeatedly is only useful if it helps you improve on on things. 
but he was being represented as a crazy man. So that's usually a bad sign. I've got to admit, when I read that quote, I thought he was crazy. I thought that was not a clear analogy. that's an amazing quote. What I thought was just like, well, of course the fucking cow can't tell you when the train is coming because cows can't fucking speak. (laughs) (laughs) But I think we're we're reading the the analogy of this. Many analogies are going to be lost on that literal interpretation, though, aren't they? Yeah, maybe. That's why you're in the arts and I'm in the sciences. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, so did you, do you have an actual oh, prediction? I don't know, actually. The only thing I've thought is coming up is the Ryder Cup is coming up. Yep. So uh, I love the Ryder Cup. Absolutely love it. It's one of the greatest, uh, it's one of the greatest formats Right of of sporting events, right? I think the format yeah. just makes it almost a guaranteed brilliant watch, right? Yeah. Um, so well, I have no idea what I'm going to say about the Ryder Cup. Maybe probably something about Tiger Woods then, right? Um, yeah, yeah, that's always I'm a good go one for. Right, okay. I'm what I'm against. Right, this is what I'm against. This is what I don't like. This is what I think is going to happen. There's going to be coverage of the Ryder, American Ryder Cup team as though. Tiger Woods is the most important player in the team. Oh. And he's not the most important player in the team. But the coverage will be as though he is. As in... That's a solid prediction. The, I think that's likely to whole, As in the whole success of the team hinges on whether Tiger turns it on or not. Right? I yeah. think that's what it's it, the coverage is going to be like because it's Tiger back at the top of the game and the narrative is, again, one of hope and... Um, and depending on what the captain decides to do, he might barely play. So, anyway, yeah, that's my prediction. That's a when good prediction. Um, yeah, hang on. It's uh, 28th to 30th of okay. September. All right, so we'll be, we'll be coming up. Yeah. About it coming up then. This in the coming. It's at the Le Golf National in Saint Quentin. Okay. A sub suburb southwest of Paris, where I've actually stayed. Have you? Yeah, we got a we got a, a little tiny house there. I've stayed there. Cool. Um, yeah. Have okay, it. that's a good prediction. Okay, um, we'll check in with them. Share the podcast to your friends. Maybe not this one. Subscribe. You can get us maybe on Spotify. <laughs> Yeah, maybe yeah. not this one. Do episode three. Episode. Yeah, do episodes one, two, or three, <laughs> not this one. Subscribe. Um, let us know if you've seen Bring It On, or we'll probably see if we can get a T-shirt or something to anyone who's seen Bring It On Worldwide Cheer Smack. We might not record again for a couple of weeks because I'm moving on Friday, mm-hmm. and. It will depend on how long it takes my internet to be installed. Good point. Unless I do it in a cafe or something. No, that won't work. There'll be the possibility of an in-person recording because I'll be in Scotland at the start of October. But we've will um, I have to sit in another room and do it like? Yeah, that? yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Otherwise, we'll just ruin it. Otherwise, by... your microphone's probably not good enough to get us both at at the same time. Especially because I'll have put Viagra into our drinks, and we'll just be seeing if we can if we can play doubles tennis with boners, and then I'll retire halfway through, and then everything will come full circle. 
That was very anything more to well done, Colin. Very professional. <laughs> Stop <laughs> unprofessionalizing everything by pointing it out. Uh, anything to add, Andrew? Uh, I would just like to add that I really admire Serena Williams as a person and as an athlete. I think she's brilliant. Excellent. <laughs> see you. See you soon. <laughs> oh God. About a lucky man who made the grade And though the news was rather sad Well, I just had to laugh I saw the photograph He blew his mind out in a car Didn't notice that the lights had changed A crowd of people stood and stared They'd seen his face before Nobody was really sure if he was on the house of law